morning. It's good to see you guys here today, whether you are in Knoxville at our Knoxville location online or here in Maryville. We're one church in two locations, and we are in a series called How's It Gonna End? And this is week three. We've been talking about uh, the future, essentially. We don't know the future. We don't know the details of all the things that how and when and what time and uh, how the return of Christ is going to happen, but we do know how it's going to end. And so that's the focus. Like a lot of things we can we can uh, look at and, and not quite know how it's going to be, but then there are many things, the most important things that we are certain about, and that's what we've been focusing on. Last Sunday, we talked about the Great Tribulation. If you missed it, encourage you to go back and, and watch it. The Tribulation is a, an event in world history in the future that will be an intense time of persecution against Christians. It'll be a time where we'll see some cataclysmic events happen all over the world. Uh, massive earthquakes, meteorites falling from the sky, uh, millions of people dying, uh, plague, uh, disease, and it'll be a really intense time to be alive. The Bible says that this portion, the, 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 the bowls of wrath uh, that we talked about last week will be three and a half years. So it'll be the first three and a half years as a uh, signs and, 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 and that kind of thing leading up to the last three and a half years. A lot of people believe it's a seven-year period. Some people believe that it's not a literal seven years and it might be shorter, it might be longer. What we do know is that it's gonna be an intense time and it's a, it's a sobering concept for us to understand as Christians. And a, a lot of times we might look at that and we might be a little fearful, might be a little anxious about that, how, about how that's gonna play out in the world as we await the second coming of Christ. But I wanted to start in Revelation chapter three and read this verse. It's important, I think. It says, Jesus says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is to come. And so a couple of words here that I think uh, are really important. And the first word is this word from, because a lot of people we'll see this verse, and they'll talk about a, a pre-tribulation rapture event. And, and, and we talked about this last week, and, 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 and essentially people will see this and say, okay, it says that Jesus is going to keep us from the hour of trial, so that means he's going to rapture us before the tribulation. But the, the issue for me is when I read this, it's just not convincing to believe that Jesus is going to take us to heaven for seven years and then come back after the tribulation based on this one verse. Uh, the word from is an interesting word. It, the, the Greek word actually means out from the midst of. And so essentially what he's saying is that God is going to protect us out from the midst of the tribulation, not away from it to take us away from it, but he's going to protect us and guard us uh, in the midst, the other word here that's important is this word keep. And so uh, the, the, the Greek word is actually tereo, and it means to keep. And uh, it's usually in a, a season of, of, of danger. So in a dangerous situation, uh, it means to guard. And so I think what the scripture is teaching us here is that in this great tribulation, God will guard you. He is gonna guard us, protect us, and uh, as, as, as the Israelites were kind of experiencing the plagues in the Old Testament, they were seeing all these things, experiencing these things, they weren't like getting the plagues themselves. And so in a similar way, that's how the tribulation, I believe, is gonna be. This word keep is actually used in John 17, 15, where Jesus 
prays this prayer for you and I. And he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. Guard them from the evil one. And so uh, I think this is an encouraging verse for us. I think it's a verse that should teach us that yes, uh, there's gonna be some trial. There's gonna be some uh, really, really uh, difficult seasons in the future for Christians. But the promise is that God will protect you. The promise is that Jesus will be with you. Right? And so even before this great time of tribulation, no matter what you're going through today, Jesus is with you. That's the hope. That's the promise. That's what we know to be true, that he's with us in the season of trial. So we don't need to be fearful or anxious. When it comes to the future events, we don't need to be fearful or anxious, number one, because we don't know if we're actually gonna experience it. So there's no need in worrying about something that may or may not occur. But then secondly, this promise is that he's guarding us. He's keeping us. What we do know is that we are facing a, 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 a spirit of antichrist, not this figure we talked about last week, but First John talks about this spirit of antichrist. Our culture, even all around the world, There's a spirit that is against the gospel and against the gospel truth. That's why we see a culture that can't call a man a man, a biological man a man, or a biological woman a woman. It's it's a culture that is, is encouraging young children to have sex operations and pump them full of drugs so that they can transition. You look at this and you're like, where, where are the logical people in the world? And it's this, this deception that the enemy is unfolding on our culture. And we see it every single day. But our response cannot be throw up our hands and go, oh, well, can't do anything. No, our response as Christians is to embrace the call that God has for each of us, that you would fulfill your purpose, use the gifts that he's given to you, and that you would be ready. And so your energy would be towards sharing the truth of the gospel. Your energy and focus is that no matter what you face, you will endure it faithfully because your life is built on the rock, trusting Jesus, depending on Jesus, worshiping Jesus, because we know he is holy and sovereign and in control. One day he will return, right? Everything will change in that moment. He will return. He will judge the world. Our role, our job is to be ready for that day. Fix your eyes on Jesus today. Worship Jesus today. Some of you are playing around with God. Some of you are just focused on yourself. You're playing around with your calling. You're playing around with your purpose. And if nothing else, I hope this series would would put a laser focus on getting ready today. One day that trumpet will sound. In a moment, we do not expect it. Like a thief in the night, night, Jesus will return, right? And so the question that I want us to actually deal with today is what happens when Jesus returns? What are the events that we know to be true in the scripture? What are these events? The first thing is Jesus physically appears. It's not gonna be just a, a spiritual thing, a dream. He's, it's going to be a physical appearance of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians chapter four. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep, those Christians who have died. Verse 16, for the Lord himself would ascend from heaven 
with a cry of a command and with a voice of an archangel. So there's a cry of some kind of, some kind of command and some kind of loud voice of an archangel. And then with the sound of a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. First Thessalonians 4 is an important passage. Sometimes people look at this verse and say, okay, this is the secret rapture that, that would lead people to believe that he comes and takes people uh, to, to be in heaven, believers to be in heaven during this uh, tribulation time. And so I, I just, it just does not teach that in, in my opinion. And so I, I just can't, but based on that Revelation 3 passage in this passage, I just don't see this concept being uh, taught in that. Uh, we, we know from Matthew 24, it says, as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. A visible appearance here. In Matthew 24, it talks about Jesus coming in the clouds, right? So the clouds in 1 Thessalonians 4 and the clouds coming in the clouds in Matthew 24 is the same physical event. We will see him. You will not miss it. It will not be interpreted any other way than Jesus is coming back. Second thing that we know will happen is that we get a new spiritual body. So some people would call us a glorified body, a resurrected body. In 1 Corinthians 15, he tells us what it is. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Our bodies will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, which means really fast, at the last trumpet sound, same trumpet of Matthew 24, same trumpet as 1 Thessalonians 4, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. In other words, this will be heaven, right? This will be heaven on earth. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's gone. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your label is not in vain. This is always the, the focus in scripture. When he talks about the second coming, it comes back to, be, be immovable, right? Always be about the work of the Lord, right? Our labor today is not in vain. So we get a new spiritual body. When Jesus rose from the grave, he, got a, a, he appeared in his new glorified resurrected body. And so what we learn about that experience uh, is gonna be the same for our new body as well. And so it will be recognizable, but it's gonna be way different. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, they didn't know it was him at first. Right, number one is probably because they didn't believe it, but then number two, there's, there's definitely a difference, but still recognizable. So in the same way, we'll be able to recognize each other uh, once uh, this happens, but it will definitely be different. Uh, Jesus said, look at the nail scars, look at the, my, my, my piercing in the side where they shoved the spear and, and then the doubting Thomas believed, right? And, 
And uh, the others believed when they saw that. One day the disciples are fishing and Jesus is on the bank and uh, they see him and, and they, they have a fish fry and they have breakfast together. And so Jesus eats. So in heaven, there's, there's gonna be food and good food, right? And we don't have to worry about cholesterol and high blood pressure and preservatives. And so I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. So Christ returns, the dead in Christ rise first, they get a glorified body, then immediately those who are alive will receive their glorified body. So this present body that you and I have, animated by a soul, but it's a mortal body, it is breaking down. If you're over 40, you get it. (laughs) It's breaking down, aches, pains, glasses, some type of prescription to help with the aches and pains, right? Uh, Wake up in the morning, and I mean, all you did was sleep all night, but you're sore. Like your neck is sore, your knee's sore. What'd you do? I, I, I went to sleep. That's all I did. And I'm sore and I'm old. And, and so this is what's happening, right? We're gonna get a brand new resurrected body. It's animated by life-giving spirit. And what he says in verse 57 here in 1 Corinthians 15 is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. So A mortal body, flesh and blood, is not going to be able to experience the reality of eternal life. Our corruptible body has to be transformed into an incorruptible body, a glorified body, a new spiritual body. And so, yeah, we'll be able to recognize each other, but way different. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, he uses this word to meet Jesus in the air, right? To meet Jesus. And again, might be symbolism. We don't know how that's going to play out. We know we're going to meet him somehow and, and go with him. Jesus said, as, as he ascended into heaven, so shall I return. And so we assume that there's going to be some kind of meeting with him, right? The Greek word here is apentasis. And it's not a word that would say we're going to meet him and then go away with him. When it's used in other portions of the Bible, it means meet somebody and then go in with them. And the reason why that's important is, is again, someone that might think we're from a pre-tribulation uh, viewpoint that we're going we're gonna to avoid all of these hard times by looking at this verse. But um, in Matthew chapter 25, there's the parable of the virgins. And the idea here is that these, these ladies go out to meet the bridegroom, right? But it's the same word, apentasis. They meet him and then they come back into the wedding party. They come back into the celebration. Again, in Acts chapter 28, the same Greek word is used. Paul goes to Rome and some of his friends meet him and then they go into Rome. And so the reason why this is important is because we're gonna be the holy entourage of Jesus when he returns. The cry of command is given. The archangel yells something, the trumpet sounds. We meet Jesus and then we come back to earth. We come back for something. What is that something? We left off with this last week. We meet Jesus, uh, we meet with Jesus, and then we watch him defeat all evil. We, we, we left off with the battle of Armageddon last week. And so this battle is, is what is occurring. This, this, all of the evil armies are assembling somehow. And then in this moment, Jesus returns and then wipes them all out. Um, what, what's important here is for, for Revelation 19, um, 19 and 21, he talks about how the Antichrist at that moment and then the second prophet 
is thrown into the lake of fire. You can look that up. Um, And so they're thrown into the lake of fire. And when that happens, now we're meeting him, glorified body. He defeats all evil in that moment. Remember last week, we talked about Jesus returning with fire in his eyes, sword in his mouth, wearing a bloody shirt. I mean, that's not the Jesus you were taught in Sunday school. (laughs) I'm afraid too many of us in the world today, we view Jesus as this kind of like really weak, you know, um, I don't know, like this guy that's like a wet noodle, just like soft, you know, and just like, you know, you just don't want to hang out with him. He just loves everybody. He's, He's like the super nice guy that you're like, you can't always be that nice. You know, you know that, you know that guy? And it's like Jesus, when we see him described in the Bible, he's a carpenter, so his hands are tough, right? He's returning with fire in his eyes, a sword in his mouth, and a bloody shirt. Like this is the image that I want you to think of because he's not coming back as an innocent little baby that's going to grow up. And he's coming back to judge the world. He's coming back to judge evil. And it's not going to be pretty for those who don't have faith in Jesus, and so if you're a guy, like, this should excite you, right? If you're a dude, you, you're like, okay, I like this king. This is my kind of king, right? It's why you love to watch movies where conquering kings conquer and they're just, right? You're like, yes, I like that movie. I like that guy, right? Ladies, you're probably on the other side. I don't know if I like bloody shirt Jesus. I don't know. Like, what are we doing here? We're coming back. We're fighting an army. I'm a lover, not a fighter. What? Do I have to get ready for a battle? Here's the great thing. Did you do anything for your salvation? Like, did you like have to earn it by doing something? And the answer is, of course not. That was given to you by faith, right? We're not gonna have to lift a finger at this battle. You're not coming in with a sword. You're not coming in to fight. We're gonna, we're gonna sit back and watch Jesus do all the work. He's gonna defeat the enemy. He's gonna destroy all evil in that moment. And it's gonna be a glorious sight for us to sit back in and to watch him do it. And after he wins, after uh, Jesus wins, then the millennial reign begins, all right? So Jesus returns, glorified bodies, final battle. Jesus takes over everything. Jesus wins. Now we enter what is called the millennial reign. If you've got a Bible, go to Revelation chapter 20. We're gonna read this. The millennial reign is is this concept in the Bible that is only taught in, in this chapter, Revelation 20, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about it. And uh, so as we, as we talk about it, we're going to talk about things that we know. We're going to talk about things that we're a little unsure about. Um, but either way, here's, here's what it says in verse 1, chapter 20. He says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven and holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. We're gonna talk about what happens when he's released, uh, the final judgment and our eternal state next Sunday as we close out this series. It's gonna be hot. Hope you'll be here. Verse four. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. These are those 
that they didn't receive the mark of the beast. They were martyred during the great tribulation. He says he sees them here. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They reigned with Christ a thousand years. We're reigning with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life. So those without faith who died are, are gone somewhere. We'll talk about where next week. They're not here. Only those who had faith in Jesus are in this moment. A thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection, right? When Christ returns, that's the first resurrection. Believers experience that. Blessed and holy, he says, is the one who shares in this first resurrection. Faith in Christ, you will be resurrected. Over such the second death, the eternal punishment, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, this idea, this, this word mille means a thousand. So a millennium is a thousand years. And it's a term used six times here in Revelation chapter 20. Some believe it's a literal 1,000 years. And some believe that it's just a symbolic number for a really long time period. And so again, we're not 100% sure. It's not something that we should argue about. It's not something that as Christians, we have to uh, get upset about because this passage is one of the, one of the most arguable passages in the entire um, New Testament, in, in the entire Bible. Last week, we talked about kind of a timeline of some of these events. And I wanna go over this timeline again. The first position is this amillennial position. And this is that we are, we are in the millennium now. So some people who I love and respect that love Jesus believe that we are in the millennium right now, this, this, this period. And they, they take everything in Revelation 20 as symbolism. And some of the other things that we're gonna talk about uh, in the Old Testament that point to this time, they say is, is symbolism as well. So church age now, so we're, we're living, we're going, and then boom, second coming of Christ, immediately glorified bodies and immediately heaven for believers, and then immediately the judgment upon those who don't have faith in Christ, which then leads into the eternal state. So this one is very kind of simple, and a lot of people believe this. And then there's another, there's two other positions that we talked about that are a premillennial position, which means Christ is going to come before this millennial uh, period of time. There are others, many others. I don't talk about them because I don't think they're worth our time today. But a lot of people believe this pre-tribulation view. And if you do, that's great. Church age now, right? Christ comes, raptures the church. Then the tribulation happened. T, T stands for tribulation. And then after seven years, comes back with Christ. Then a literal thousand years, then the judgment, then eternal state. What I believe, what I taught last week is that we're in the church age now and Christians will experience the tribulation. So Christ will return post or after the tribulation, but before the millennium. So what, we, what we're seeing here is we're, we're being caught up to come immediately back. We're the welcoming party to watch him defeat evil and, 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 and bind Satan. And then the millennial uh, period takes place. After that millennial period, then the judgment and then the eternal state. So that's kind of a, 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 kind of a time frame of how this plays out. What we do know, okay, let's talk about what we do know. What we do know is that Satan is gonna be bound. He's gonna be put into the abyss, some kind of great chain. Essentially, the, 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 the concept this here is today he is st stealing, killing, and destroying, trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. He's trying to deceive the nations today. He's trying to deceive 
uh, hearts and minds away from Jesus into all the things that lead us away from God's truth and hope and love. That's what the enemy is after. He's winning with some of you today. We want to pray against that. There will be a day where he will not be able to do that. He'll be bound. There'll be no temptation. There'll be no, um, there, there'll be no stealing and killing of the enemy because he will be bound and we will experience uh, uh, life as it was meant to be. This millennial reign is heaven on earth. So essentially we will be on this earth. It'll, it'll be a, a renewed earth after a lot of the uh, chaos that had taken place on and through the tribulation. A lot of people believe this. this will be a, a new earth that we'll be living in during this time. Satan will be bound. Letter B, Jesus, we saw, reigns on earth. We'll reign with him. He'll be our king. We'll, we'll see and know him. We will experience him. A little bit 1 Corinthians 13 says, for now in this life he's talking about, we see in a mirror dimly. In other words, we kind of get it, but we don't see the full picture yet. He says, but then this time, heaven on earth, we will see him face to face. Now I know in part, now I know a little bit, but on this day, we shall fully know him and he shall fully know us. I love it, right? This, this is heaven on earth. And I know a lot of times we think, well, what in the world is that gonna look like? Like our little pea brains, how do we, how do we comprehend such a place? And, and, and with a glorified body, with all believers reigning on earth for a thousand years, some people believe it looks like this. It's kind of a picture right there of heaven. It felt like heaven. It felt like heaven. I don't know who put this in here. It wasn't supposed to be in here. But, oh, psh, there's another one. And there I am right there. Just kidding. What a game, right? I'm not going to say, a little insert here, I'm not going to say that I'm a lucky charm. But I will say, I was at the game in 1998 when we beat Florida after getting whipped by them for like six years. I was there at that game that we won. So maybe, maybe it was me and maybe I should get tickets to every game if we want this season to go well. I mean, if you want to win, just pray about it. All right. <clears throat> We got to keep going. So yes, Jesus will reign. The other thing that we know is that the entire world will experience great peace. So there'll be peace on a level that is hard for us to understand. No more fighting with your spouse or your kids. No more fighting between nations. No more uh, grudges. No more bitterness. It will be complete and utter peace with everyone. Here's what the scripture says in Micah 4.3. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. They won't need a sword anymore. And their spears into pruning hooks. Why? Because living on the earth means that most likely we're gonna be working the land again. So we're gonna have a job. We're gonna be working the land. We're gonna be taking care of animals. There'll be other jobs and other responsibilities that, that you and I will have at this, but it will be complete peace. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Even in the animal kingdom, there will be peace, right? Even in the animal kingdom, there is peace. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, Isaiah 11. 
The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. No more pain, no more hurt, no more hard feelings. They shall not hurt or destroy in, in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Complete peace, no conflict, no, no pain. Even the animal kingdom enjoys this peace. Letter D, we're also in this time. There will be no sickness and no deformity. No more planes, no more no plagues, no more sickness, no more deformities, right? Um, all those things will be healed. In fact, the Bible says this, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. So no more deformities. Right? I remember going to uh, Africa many, many years ago, and we were in South Africa, and we visited this uh, orphanage. And this wasn't just any orphanage. This was an orphanage where um, uh, all of the kids were deformed in some ways. So they were blind, they were deaf. Many, deaf some of them were in wheelchairs. Um, and it was just a sight to see. And my heart broke, and we spent time with them. We just played games with them. And, and, and we had to have an interpreter, you know, like do sign language for uh, many of them. And and I just think about them. I think about those kids and all the other kids and all the other people, even in this room, who have some type of handicap. And in and, and that day, don't you think they're excited about that day? Do you think they're gonna be excited to experience complete healing? You know, they're gonna, th those who can't see, finally being able to see, those who can't walk, finally being able to walk. Those of you who are experiencing that today in some way, complete healing, no sickness, no deformity. Letter E, the entire world at this point will experience great prosperity. So we won't have any needs at all. You're not gonna be running the rat race to try to get another dollar or to try to get a bigger house. You'll have everything that you need and more. Prosperity will be all over the place. Here's what the Bible says about it. In Ezekiel chapter 34, he says, I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. Everything will be a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. There shall be showers of blessing, right? Remember that old hymn, showers of blessing? I think that was a hymn. Verse 27, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increases and they shall be secure in the land. We protect it, there'll be no fear we won't have to lock our doors, no, no alarm uh, systems anymore. And they shall know that I am the Lord. We're, we're gonna know him on a deep personal level. The entire world will experience this great prosperity. And then letter F, we're gonna experience great joy and rewards. Great joy and great rewards like we have never experienced before. I love what it says in Revelation 22. He says, look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking. Look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. So he's gonna repay you for your work today. That's motivation for me. 
Everything that we do for him today matters. Remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Those who were faithful with the talent that God had given to them, the resources God had given to them, right? And they brought back more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now I will bless you with even more. And what he's talking about there is in this state, heaven on earth, I'm I'm going to reward you. So if you're faithful today in that day, more responsibility and a great work. And, and, and some of you are like, I don't know. I thought I was going to be floating around on a cloud with fat baby angels. You know, isn't that heaven? Aren't we just going to be singing? No, that is not what we're going to be doing. Fat baby, naked baby, whatever, is not a biblical picture of heaven. Let's get that out of our heads. Imagine the greatest hobby that you have right now that gives you the most joy that you love the most, that you do this and like hours pass by and you don't even realize time is passing by, you love it so much. Maybe it's playing a sport, maybe it's working in your workshop, you know, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, ladies, that you guys do, but something that you love, right, and enjoy. And then in heaven, heaven on earth, what you and I are gonna be doing that we're gonna be considered our responsibility and our work is, is that multiplied by infinity. Like you'll have so much fulfillment and so much purpose and so much enjoyment in what you are doing. It's not even, it's not work. Like we got to cook in work. It's going to be something that you love to do. Why? Because finally we'll be fulfilling our purpose that God created us for in a way that we cannot do this side of heaven. We're going to experience great joy, great rewards, and Jesus is gonna bring it to us. These rewards are gonna be um, happiness, right? In Isaiah 9, verse three, he tells us, you, you have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy, increasing this joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. At the harvest was the happiest time right? Look at all the food that we have. This is amazing. Like if you're a farmer in this first century, this was it, right? He says, it's going to be like that every day. Every day with me is going to feel like that. It's going to look like that. So during this time, we're going to live on earth, a a new earth. We're going to work. We're going to enjoy that work. We're going to worship Jesus. Yes, might work the land, might take care of some animals, a lot of people believe we'll be able to travel all over the world and, and, and see and experience all the places of the world that we uh, maybe never got to. So great joy, great reward. And then next and finally, we'll experience the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, you can flip over in the Bible. Let's read about this in Revelation 19. The Lamb obviously is a reference to Jesus. What is this that he's talking about? Well, He said, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah. Imagine that. All right, 107,000 people in a stadium crying out. Imagine billions of people crying out, right? Sound of mighty peals, like thunder, crying out, hallelujah. That word just means praise God. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride, the church, has made herself ready. 
was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. He made us holy, right? We didn't do it ourselves. He made us holy. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. Who gets invited to this party? I mean, this is a reunion uh, like no other reunion. This is a feast, right? We're gonna be eating. And again, no diets, like no, no blood pressure, no cholesterol, like we're gonna feast together. Imagine your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-grandparents that you've never met who love Jesus and had faith in Jesus. You're gonna meet them. You're gonna be reunited with them. Some of you have children who maybe you haven't seen in a long time and maybe passed away. You're gonna see them. You're gonna see uh, those, those babies that were maybe miscarried. You're gonna meet them for the first time. You're gonna see your mom and your dad that maybe have passed away in that day a marriage feast of the lamb that is going to be the glorious, most incredible dinner and party you and I have ever been to. And to begin to think about that, just it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. We'll see the heroes of the faith, all these men and women that we've read about. We'll get to meet them and experience them. This is gonna be a time of joy like no other. Now, at the game last night, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering. I'm sitting by people I do know. I'm sitting beside the Harpers, and we're high-fiving, right? But I don't know the people to my right, in front of me, and behind me. Guess what we were doing every time we scored? High-fiving, right? I don't know these people. Guy across the aisle, I swear he drank a whole bottle of Jack Daniels. High-fiving. You got to pray for him. He's struggling today. I know he's struggling. He needs Jesus. He, he, he needs it. Okay, so my, my point is that you don't have to know all these people. And we're like, we're partying. We're celebrating together with people we don't know. After we made the field goal to win the game, this little old lady that was beside me gives me a full body hug right there. We're, we're hugging right there. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. Why? I don't know. There's something, there's some camaraderie there that builds, right, around that moment. But listen, no matter how great that moment was, and think about it like this, like in our life, like greatest events of your life, happiest moments of your life, listen to me, the happiest day of your life, okay, you got married, you know, maybe had kids, you won the championship or you won a big game or you did, like the happiest that you can be. And then there's like Tennessee beating Alabama somewhere on your scale, right? It's like the best, the greatest, where we're the happiest and most, like, in a sense, fulfilled. But listen to me, that moment, whatever it is for you, is a fraction of a fraction of a teensy tiny bit of what the reality of the glory that we're gonna experience in heaven is gonna feel like and look like. It's not even gonna compare. It's not even gonna come close. So much so that God couldn't even, he can't even really give us a full glimpse of it because we wouldn't be able to understand it. This side of heaven. We're gonna experience the marriage supper of the lamb. And he says, blessed 
are all those who are going to experience that. Blessed. So who is blessed to experience that? Let me, let me tell you who. People that are going to be in, uh, experience this marriage supper of the Lamb are those who accepted the call to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have you done that? I think he's calling you today. He's offering you salvation today. Some of you are rejecting him or just kind of putting it off. The only people at this celebration are those with faith in Jesus. The only people at this celebration are those who love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Here's the, here's the thing. If you don't love Jesus, you won't be there. Because it's not just like, oh, I, I, you know, I'm a car because I'm sitting in the garage. No, just because you're in the garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you sit in church every now and then doesn't make you a Christian. Do you love Jesus? Have you given Jesus your life? You confess that you're a sinner. Have you received him into your life and committed your life to him? Those are the people that are gonna be at this marriage supper of the lamb. And finally, those that are ready, those that are ready to go. And if you're not ready, you know, you're not gonna be there. And so my question for you today is, are you ready? You ready for this day? Sounds amazing. Everybody wants to be there, but only people who are blessed enough to be there. In other words, they've given their life to Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus will be there. So I want to ask you, have you done that? We're going to close today by taking the Lord's Supper, which is a symbol of looking back to the death of Jesus on the cross. His blood represented in the juice that we drink. His body broken, represented by the bread that we eat. So we look back at what he did, but, but now you're a little bit fuller now. You know a little bit more now, right? Now we also know that the Lord's Supper is actually also pointing us towards this marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven on earth, right? So we're looking back but we're looking forward. So every time we take communion, we're thankful for the sacrifice and the salvation that we've experienced, but we're also thankful for our future. So no matter what you're going through today, no matter how difficult it is or challenging it might be, we look to the future of these future blessings and we know this is what's coming. And if that's what's coming, like we know that whatever we're in is just a season. He's gonna bring us through that. And so as we close today, I, I wanna pray and um, let you guys take the, the juice and the bread on your own. Knoxville folks, after the prayer, you take this on your own. The band is gonna come and gonna sing a song over us for us to just, just kind of process everything that we've heard and let the Spirit work in our hearts as we hear this song, as we think about this glorious day in our future. But again, only those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Let me ask you to bow your heads. Is there anybody here that would say, I am not sure I'm ready for that day. I am not sure that I really do love Jesus. And if I were to die today, man, I don't know that I would experience that. I don't know that I would be able to be there. And if that's you, would you just lift up your hand either in Knoxville or here in Maryville and just say, yeah, that's me. I'm not sure. Anybody at all? Lift it up high so I can see it. Anybody? Anybody? I see you, sir. Ma'am, maybe some in Knoxville raising their hands. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Put your hand down and just pray this prayer. It's not a magical prayer. 
This is your first conversation with God. It's you saying, I'm tired of messing around. I'm, 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 I'm ready to move forward. Just say, God, I believe that you love me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. I commit my life to you right here, right now. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.